Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Oh my goodness, today is going to be a great day. We're going to be talking about health data, privacy, how to secure it all. And guess what? Today is my 50th episode. Milestone. Yay! I tell you what, today is such a great day. You know, 50 episodes doing this, bringing information to you because it's all about you. It's not about me. It's about you leveraging my network of experts and making sure you have the tools to be successful in your health. We all want longevity. We all want vitality. We all want quality of life. These are the things that are, that are essential for us as we exist. But to get there, it takes a village. And we're going to continue to lead you on this way. We're going to continue this health revolution, building trust and delivering truth. So welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital, Check me out, of course, on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. You're listening to us here on intellectualreader.com. We're live on Facebook. We're going to be bringing the heat today on this 50th episode. i got to give a quick shout-out to my wife, Miss Tiffany E.R. Gomez. I love you. She's been my rock this whole time, making sure that I stay on task, of course, but helping me continue to create this vision. And she's the one that really helps seize things through. So I love you. And we're going to do 50 more. We're just getting started, y'all, so this is going to be great. So I'm excited today to talk about my topic, securing our health data. Again, each week we're going to continue to bring you guys some great information and useful information so you can talk to your healthcare team to continue to live your best life for you and your family. So let's do it. So today's show is entitled Securing Our Health Data. But before we get started, you meet my panel. i got to hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are today, and I'm so excited to welcome my panel today. You're going to meet them in just a few moments, but we're talking about really something that's essential to us, our privacy, our data. When we go to the hospital, when we go to our medical doctor's office, when we do anything related to health, you're always putting your name out there. And the question that I want to ask is, what else are we putting out there? What are we at risk for? You know, the reality is that we certainly see threats that happen with our data. You certainly hear about big companies that have had data breaches. But really even go more, 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 more than that is that, hey, we're putting our information out there. What happens to that information? Of course, you're trusting of your medical team. You want just to be taken care of. When you're in that situation, you just want to make sure your loved one is fine. But we don't necessarily think about what happens with our information. But we should be having that kind of conversation. So we're going to bring it to you guys today. And i got a great group of experts that are going to help me kind of guide this conversation. And hopefully at the end of the show, you guys are going to have learned a lot of information. But also to keep this conversation going. What we're talking about today shouldn't just stay here today. We have to keep these conversations going. you got to be up in somebody's face. All the time. That's what I talk about every week. We're talking about health topics. You got to get up in somebody's face to create awareness. And once you create awareness and you have that engagement, now you can start moving the needle and taking action. So I'm so excited to welcome everybody back. My panel today is fierce. So what I want to do is introduce my amazing panel and their credentials run deep. Now that's how it always is every week on the show. I always like to have people that have really deep credentials, but but these individuals, they're my friends, they're my colleagues, they're experts at the top of their game, and they really help can, can really help guide this conversation and help you out there and just to continue this health 
awareness of this revolution. So my first guest, I want to introduce her to you. Her name is Dr. Kirsten Zietler. She's a board-certified pediatrician, associate chief medical information officer at Edward Elmer's Health. Check her out, www.eehealth.org. Dr. Zietler, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mike, Mark, for having me here. Oh, you bet. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Where did you go to medical school? Where did you do your residency? Um, and kind of like, what is this theme of data, health data? What does it really mean to you? Uh, well, I went to medical school at University of Illinois, uh, College of Medicine in Chicago, uh, and then residency at Loyola. So I'm a local uh, creation. I actually live, grew up in Wheaton and live now in Warrenville, so I'm staying local, but uh, just uh, basically became a pediatrician, really loved dealing with kids and uh, you know patients and families, and then started realizing when the electronic health record came out, realized that nobody really speaks for the pediatric people, and so kind of built myself into more involvement in the electronic health record, and it just kind of snowballed from there. So. Absolutely. Well, I know we work together all the time, we sit on various committees together, and really talking about certainly how do we continue to keep our health current, but also how do we secure our health at the same time. We're always talking about information. I'm on my computer late. You're on your computer late. Uh, you're probably in your computer maybe earlier than I do. But, but the reality is that we, we're at, as physicians, so we have access to information. And we want to certainly ensure our patients that they're well taken care of as we're trying to focus on their health. And we don't want to take any of that for granted for those out there. Yes, our, the docs, your team, they're all about you and making sure you're doing well. But we want to make sure that everything else is safe. So thanks for coming on the show today. Well, I can't wait to, to, to dissect a little more stuff <laughs> with you because why not? And I want to pick your IT-laden brain because that's the truth. It's full of awesome information. And I know that as a fact because we're on committees together. So it's all good. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she helps so much with, with, with just giving us as docs just giving us the tips, the tricks of the trade of just how to continue to kind of take technology forward as we care for our patients. So thank you well, for thanks. being on the show. All right, my next guest, he and I met each other a number of years ago, and I actually met you at a conference in Chicago. Uh, and so as part of a leadership conference for our hospital system, and, uh, and uh, most recently, a few years back, uh, we jo oh, I joined, uh, but a committee that you helped spearhead at the, the System Diversity Council at Edward Owners Health, so we've been friends and colleagues since then. I was kind of thinking of an idea. I was like, I got to get you on my show, <laughs> and I got I'm an excited. idea, so I'm excited to have you here. So let me read the credentials from my next person, my next guest. Ahmed El Ganzuri, he's a Deputy General Counsel with Edward Elmer's Health. Check him out, www.eehealth.org. Ahmed, welcome to the store. Thanks. Thanks. All I appreciate right. it. First, I'd love the legal disclaimer at the beginning. Thank so you. Something <laughs> we've done is maybe rubbed off on you somehow, but I think it's actually for you. It works. Second, you gave a shout-out to the wife. Oh, it's my wife's birthday today. Oh, Erica. please give her a shout-out. Oh, Erica, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Ahmed's Don't worry, wife. I'm getting home for, for dinner and all that stuff. Um, you got to. But yeah, I'm an attorney for Edward Elmer's Healthcare. I've been for seven years. Uh, love love being there and the people who work with everybody. So especially, especially the physicians, if you can believe that. Uh, yes. Lawyers and doctors, lawyers and doctors can and coexist, <laughs> yeah. without a doubt. Exactly. So happy to be here. Well, please tell me about where you did your, you know, own it. You're, you're, you're an excellent uh, uh, guest and you're a credential guest. Where did you do your, your law school? And uh, tell us a little bit more about this theme. How does it mean to you about data? Yeah, so I went to Chicago Kent, so a local school downtown. I also have an, an MBA from the University of Chicago, so it's my little dual punch MBA JD, like I was talking about. Um, and I think data, you know, it's interesting. I joined our system about close to seven years ago, and I think back then, you know, we were, of course, concerned with data, but, but now every single company is a technology company. So everybody we work with, any vendor you have, 
Before, you're just buying a device. Now you're buying a device that's a software, essentially a software product. So data is everywhere uh, in healthcare, and, and so it's very, very important these days. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. I can't wait to ask some more uh, questions about you. So now you guys have met the guests out, out here that we have today. And again, we're really trying to, trying to steer this conversation. You know, each week on the show, we try to have good topics, exciting topics, but to also make sure that these topics are relatable and that they're easy to understand. So we're not going to be using crazy jargon today. We don't typically do that on T-Real with Dr. G, but we want to make sure that this information, I know, it's like, what, 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 what do you write that over there? Uh, eliminate the crazy jargon, the jargon without a doubt, so I'm so excited. But we want to make sure that you have information and thinking about you, you know, think about the things that you do, just like generally when you think about registering for something or even just like when you go to get your driver's license. I mean, data is around us. We exchange data and we're thinking about certainly when you're at your most vulnerable, potentially, when you're in a healthcare system, what happens to that data? So the chief complaint, the chief complaint that we do each week, the chief complaint, of course, is when a, somebody comes into our office, my office, and, and Dr. Ziegler's office, and tells us about what's going on, what's plaguing them that day. And the chief complaint slash the question of the hour on today's episode of Two Up with Dr. G is, how are we best securing our health data? So we're going to get right into this. So we're going to start right here. So I'm going to ask my first question uh, to Dr. Ziegler. Uh, and I really want to talk about this. So, you know, protecting personal information is crucial and, and something that we don't really think about as, as physicians. We just want to see our patients, of course. But how do we know that, like, data is safe? You know, because you and I, we're in the office, we're just seeing patients and making sure that they're treated and everything. But how do we know the information that we use is safe or the sensitive information that we get from people is safe for them? How do they, how do they know that? Well, I think, you know, especially, number one, you have trust in your, in your healthcare system and what they've done for security for, you know, for their information. And obviously that's why there's a lot of uh, regulations now, government regulations that are helping to say, okay, these are the guidelines, this is what you have to do as an organization if you're going to have electronic health record. These are the guidelines that are allowed for transmission of healthcare information between other providers that may care for that patient. So I think it's more just kind of understanding that your organization has the, your best interests out there. Excellent. Let me ask the same question, but a different take for, for Ahmed. You know, um, from a lawyer standpoint, you know, we, we obviously in, in the healthcare system, you know, people put their data into the healthcare system, but what happens if there's a data breach? You know, there, there's certainly risks that are probably inherent to any kind of data sharing, but, but do people really know... I mean, basically, how do we safeguard that data knowing that we're putting our data into a system that we hopefully has, has the infrastructure to protect it? Yeah, so we're, we, we do a lot, not just we, but you know, other healthcare systems, people in this area are doing a lot to protect it, right? So uh, making sure that all our data is encrypted, uh, that we meet the highest level of government standards for security, um, a lot of training, a lot of education. And I think, like, the new world now is, like, we we do a lot to make sure our stuff's secure. We want to make sure that everybody else who touches our system, our vendors, uh, that they have high security. So any vendor that comes to our system is, is going to go through a security process. We use a vendor to so, sort of rep them to make sure that they're meeting the highest standards. Um, and so we're doing a lot on that end to make sure that that data is secure. Excellent. I think that's some of the things that we 
may take for granted, certainly as, as a patient that comes to the system, you're just thinking about just trying to make sure you're healthy. But there's so much of this other side that's going on that actually I want to highlight that because we don't really think about that. But I think we should think about that because we're talking about our health and that of our loved ones. I want to know information and you want to make sure your information is not shared against your own um, uh, consent uh, to speak. So I think about, you know, I think about when, when I was a resident, and Dr. Zito, you could probably think about it too, you know, the old paper charts and uh, records, uh, the manila folder with the little colorful tabs on the side, and you just got your, your three-pronged uh, hole puncher, and you just read it, literally just slide the piece of paper in there. Now you look at where we're at now in the digital age, I think it's quite remarkable that we actually have seen that transition. But how do, do you know why we kind of went to that transition? Do you think it's just more technology's driven this to kind of say, done with the paper? I know, obviously, there's been some government regulations that wanted to get people into the electronic health record. Um, but, but where have you seen that go uh, in your years of practice, go from those old days, uh, just pen and paper, it hurts your hand when you're writing all the time, to now just kind of inputting things on the computer system? Well, I think, you know, and obviously, I even remember when I was a in college, you know, doing the filing for all those paper charts. And I think the hard part is, you know, as much as technology has gotten to this point where we have so much access to electronics, healthcare actually has gotten there slower. But more importantly, you know, as compared to that paper chart, there's so much more security. It used to be, you know, somebody could break into your office and steal all the information, health information, easily, whereas now it's encrypted in a system, you know, and there's layers of that encryption within the, the electronic health record. So you can't have it stolen. And again, also, even the provider's computers, all of our computers, you can't just bring your own home computer in and use, you know, and use it. It has to go through a security system. So you're much more secure than ever on paper. In addition, you know, disasters. You have a fire in your office and all the records are lost. Well, there's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I agree. Age, so. It's, it's, so, it's so interesting having gone through this process because you've lived it and I've lived it too and I just think it's just phenomenal that we've done that. You know, obviously certain systems were faster to adapt that kind of change than others uh, because certainly there's a, there's a lot of um, capital that's required to make that transition. How do, you know, that, uh, you know, I want to say doc, Dr. Ahmed, because you are a JD. You've a jurist doctorate, so technically you are a doctor. So, but how do you, how did you kind of see it? You know, you've been with this current system for seven years, but you've, but you've had a, have a breadth of experience. You know, have you seen this kind of transition evolve from data to getting it from something that was, was certainly risky and at risk for being hacked, for example, to something that's super secure. Have you seen that yeah, transition well, I mean, evolve? I think, I think we should also level us a little bit here is that like nothing is 100% secure, right? We, sure. we can all see it in the politics in the world we live in, hacking and, and, and all this stuff that's out there. But we're just trying to do our absolute best, right? And especially in healthcare because the data is so important. Um, I mean, as far as the evolution is concerned, yeah, there's been just huge advances. Look, there's, there's benefits and disadvantages to technology. Anything you do, there's advantages and disadvantages, and you're hoping the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. I think with healthcare data going electric, that's certainly the case, because if all everybody's data is on paper form, well, we can't take that data, put it together, interpret it, and then give really good strategic advice to our providers, providers use to treat their patients. You can't do that if everybody's data is in a locker right, right. somewhere in, or a file cabinet. But when everything starts getting put to the, to the cloud or to a, a server, um, now really sophisticated people 
data mining, data scientists can take that and then use it and learn from it, use algorithms, all that kind of stuff. And that's that's the advantages of that. And certainly easier to share information, right? right? Mm -hmm. One of the big right. issues you guys have is right. patient comes in, I haven't seen him before, oh, can I get your record? Oh, it's at a different hospital, a different provider. You're at a you're at a loss because of that. But yeah. nowadays, now you can you just pull it up on your computer, right? right? right. And you right. have everything there. You have information. And so those are huge advantages that, that certainly and hopefully outweigh that the nefarious hacker trying to, to breach our system. Yes. I, I think about those days when, um, when it used to be, because we typically practice in kind of our silos as between a primary care physician and a specialty physician, and the information, the sharing was just not there. Uh, or now some of the sharing may be there for some uh, physician to physician sharing, but may not for others because it might be on a different system, and you still have to wait for kind of a paper record. The thing that I think about for people out there is that the great thing about the technology evolution and, and securing our data is that I can have that right at my fingertips. So if you're coming in to see me in my practice, or you're coming in to see Dr. Zietler, she's got it right there. Say you went and saw a different doctor, but still in the same system, instantly uh, she and I can pull that information and help continue to guide your care. We can see your laboratory markers, we can see your medicines that you've been prescribed, we can see even other past history, we can see a lot of stuff, we can even see a lot of your information, you know, about your family and things like that. And it just helps us make our decisions better, would you, th would you oh, say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it used to be you'd have to dig through a paper chart or wait for the facts to come, you know, <laughs> or, or the snail mail as it is now, you know, uh, to get that data. And now you have access to it. Or if you don't have access, you can request that information much more efficiently. Do you remember the days when we used to have to uh, try to decipher? It was like almost like hammering is like hieroglyphics. And uh, you'd sit there and then remember the days you'd have to ask somebody. And, and you know, I don't know if you do it, you, know, you don't do it now, but, you know, I remember those days you'd be at the nurse's station in the hospital. And you're like, what does it say? You grab a nurse. You say, what letter is that? Or you grab one of your colleagues. What right. is that saying? And nobody knows. And then you're saying, okay, well, how am I going to treat this person? Right. Uh, so right. I'm glad and those days are gone. gone. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, and I can only imagine my pharmacy colleagues out there, the days that you, they used to get a lot of written prescriptions, uh, or even if a patient, if you were out there, you saw your doctor, and your doctor wrote your prescription, and you got it in your hand, you wouldn't know what it said unless that doctor... Uh, passed the penmanship class, and I always say all physicians have great penmanship until they go to medical school, and then it just goes the opposite direction, and we never recover it at all. And uh, we used to have great cursive handwriting. Now it was we just, now it was great. Now the only thing we sign in cursive is our name, uh, and that's about it. But I think probably most people still do that. So uh, so let me ask this question for um, for Dr. Zietler. Uh, you know, just generally speaking, how does electronic health records? really protect our information or data for those that are out there that don't really understand kind of electronic health records i mean a lot of people probably have a sense of that because they're seeing their physician but but like how is it really designed is this the, is this the purpose for the electronic health record or do you see it as uh, more encompassing covering a lot of different things well i think the electronic health record i mean it certainly helps protect your data in the fact that you we have more access to information that can help take care of for uh, of the patient um, and again, on the other side, too, it's protecting you from yourself, too. You know, it may be that you thought your prescription was X, Y, or Z, and the doctor says, well, you know, I wrote this prescription for, you know, ABC last week, so that's probably what you're taking. So you've got a little bit more protection there, not necessarily the electronic component, but it's also helping to understand and help translate that 
you know, gobbledygook that tends to be medicine, too. So. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a beat of it again. Simplify your life. And I always say kind of like technology in general. I mean, you know, a little over a decade ago, there were no such things as iPhones. And think about how much they've evolved. And really, I mean, honestly, how many people know their spouse's phone number by heart? Um, uh, we probably don't do that. Uh, I know mine, uh, and I'm sure everybody here on the panel knows their spouse's phone number by heart. But the reality is that it's so much easier just to just kind of click and go from there. So it's actually made our lives a lot more simpler, uh, I would argue, and certainly as a physician, it's made my life a lot more simpler. So let me ask this question to, to Ahmed. Um, you know, we talk about something called HIPAA, um, and people have heard about it. Uh, uh, people sign forms when they go visit their doctor or their dentist or their chiropractor, but, but, but what is it in kind of in a nutshell for people to know about how their information is shared? And, and, and what does the regulation kind of tell us? What does, the, what does the law kind of tell us about privacy? Yeah, so, so HIPAA is, in essence is, are the laws that govern how covered entities, that's the, the term of art, which is basically your hospitals, your insurance providers who have access to your health information, how, how they protect, how they use it and share your what they also call protected health information or PHI, right? So really what it is, it's how we can use it, how we can store it, how we can share it uh, to the right people who should have it and then not share with people who shouldn't have it. And it relates specifically to your what's in your kind of EMR, your medical your medical record. So it's going to have your, your name, your information, very, very sensitive information. One of the things I wanted to point out is healthcare data is some of the most valuable data that's out there. Like if you look at sort of, you know, nefarious actors and black market prices, like your healthcare record is like 20 times more valuable in the black market than like your social security number or your credit card number is. And I think for the audience, they should understand that. And the reason why is because it actually has almost all the information in there. It has your, your birthday, it has your name, it has, could have your social security number, and obviously your insurance information and a bunch of valuable information is in there. So uh, very important. That's why there's a lot of laws and regulations surrounding how it can be how it should be stored, how it should be secured, and then how it should be shared. So let me ask you a follow-up question. What happens if there's any kind of um, sharing that happens without a patient's consent? Uh, is that considered, and generally speaking, a violation of, of the law? Yeah, well, it sort of depends. So, so HIPAA sort of allows like providers to do three things without requiring specific consent. So we can share your health information for treatment purposes. So a doctor can share the information of the record with another provider, and that makes a lot of sense because you want some continuity of the person's care. We can use it for operations, so we do a lot of quality efforts, and we need that data to make sure so we get better, right? So if we ever, we don't make any mistakes, but if we ever did, no, I'm just kidding, we would, we, would, we, would, we would improve upon that. So we, we need that information, your records, your PHI, and all the other patients to get better. And the last thing is for payment purposes. We can use your information to, 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 to bill your, your commercial payer if you have their Medicare, et cetera. What we can't do without your consent is disclose it to sort of like these other parties. Like we can't just disclose your information to a company that wants to buy your data. We, we, we can't do that. There's a lot of things that actually require specific consent. We may not even be able to share it with uh, your husband if you tell us you don't want us to share it with your right. husband right. Or, a, right. or obviously a coworker or something like that. So if that happens, then we've done something wrong, right? And so there's a process we go to, and it's called, there's been a breach, a breach of your, your PHI, and we go through a process to make sure that, A, that doesn't happen again, but also you will get informed uh, by the, the provider or the covered entity that your information has been breached, and what we've tried to done to, to mitigate that um, as well. You know, you know, I think as a society, uh, you know, I think about some common examples that people can relate to, 
um, you know, just going to your doctor, going to your dentist. You know, you want your information to be be your information, and, and certainly I would be very upset if my information was shared and I didn't know about it. And so when I consent, you know, I, I, I hold that entity to a very high standard to keep my information secure. Interesting thing is that, uh, you know, I'm going to use kind of Hollywood as an example where, where somebody might go into a healthcare system, uh, somebody who may be a celebrity, and, and because we're kind of nosy as people, let's be honest, we're kind of nosy, but you'll see healthcare people that are not particularly on that particular a person's case, they will, they will, they will access that information. They're not part of the treating team, and that can be pretty dangerous. I know there was a recently, uh, I believe Northwestern might have, might have let some people go after uh, the recent um, Jesse Smollett case, um, that where people were looking at uh, or allegedly looking at uh, a celebrity's uh, data. Right. So, but that's yeah. something that's trackable in the electronic health record. So there's always a stamp for any any provider, any clinical staff, any member that's logging in, there's a stamp that's marked in the electronic health record stating, hey, so-and-so looked at it at X time on this date, you know, down to the seconds, so that information can be run in a report, can be given to administration, and then obviously, as, yeah. as you mentioned, they were... And, and that's actually the benefit of it, right? Because if it was correct. just still in that file in cabinet, paper. maybe an employee can go in there late at night and look at it. And nobody and, would have known. Uh, but yeah. now it's like we we, we got yeah. we know who's been in there, and, and you know most healthcare systems nowadays, especially us, we 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 don't just wait for something like that. That we proactively go out there, use software and algorithms to see if if, if employees are snooping or other providers are looking at things they shouldn't be looking at. Right, and there's so. also ways for the electronic health record to mark those charts as private. So there's something called break the glass. So you can mark a, a document or a record as private. And so literally, it gives a warning right away, hey, you are not allowed. Uh, so then obviously, if you move forward, then definitely you were born. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's traceable. And that's the great thing about this. And so I think these are great examples. And again, we wanted to make sure that people out there know that when they put their trust in their doctor, you know, they're putting their trust in their doctor certainly for their clinical acumen and to help them treat their particular ailment. But, but we want to know that, we want you to know that, that, that your, your doctor's system, uh, you know, everybody works hard for you. We're working for you because at the end of the day, you have choice. You're a consumer. So you can choose where you want to go, where you want to get your care taken, get your health care taken care of, where you want to do things with your family. And we want to ensure people that all they need to really focus on is their family and getting better. But it's just amazing that there's so much this other, kind of, the other side of the story that goes unnoticed, but something that it's important to think about. So let me ask this question uh, to, uh, to Dr. Ziedler, because why not? So, uh, so, so generally, do we know what happens? So okay, so say somebody's out there, they, they go to their doctor, they're a new patient, they're, they're filling out a form. That form then gets scanned eventually into the electronic health record. What happens to that piece of paper? Do we know what happens to that? Yep, uh, we do. So um, any document that's signed is scanned into the electronic health record, and then it is sent to a in a grouping to a facility where that document is then secured into something that can't be accessed, and then forwarded on to a shredding company. So uh, there's all of our offices contract with different you know companies or corporations that destroy medical documents. So there's not that paper trail. Once it's scanned, it's it's batched and then it's sent on to be destroyed. But that but that's but that's great to know because you know I think a lot of people might think that the the paper which has obviously clearly sensitive information on it might just be sitting in a warehouse somewhere locked away for eternity. And uh, 
uh, and that's not the case. And I want to ask a final question to Ahmed. Do we know if there's any any uh, precedent or anything that says like how long a, a physician can keep somebody's records? Um, does, does, is it the obligation of the physician to, to guard those records? Uh, what, do, what do you kind of think about that? Yeah, so I mean, there's various laws. So HIPAA says basically minimum of six years. That can be extended, and, and, and you know, I think a lot of systems, because it's electronic, extend it much past that point, especially if you're treating children. Um, a lot of states have their own laws on that, too. Um, and, you know, there could be different kinds of health care. So we're talking about, if you're talking about mental health, States have different laws on that, so you're just trying to keep track and make sure you're you're keeping as long as you can. But in any case, even if it's not like in year seven, if you have to keep for six, you're just like, okay, everybody take a look at it because you're, you're still be breaching it. Right. Just that you don't have to keep it; you have to sort of destroy it or make sure it can't be retrieved after after that point. Because I think about uh, some of the scenarios where, like, say, like a, like you move, maybe you live in Florida, you move to Illinois, um, information still in Florida, you live in Illinois. What happens to that information? or maybe a doctor, your physician out there, maybe your physicians at that time where they want to retire and sell their yeah. practice. And I would say, like, what happens to that data? Yeah, that, that happens a lot, right? So a lot of practices or physician groups are, are being acquired or doctors retiring. And so, you know, what's good is if they're on an electronic health record is that information can be scanned or taken over somehow and we can sort of have it in one place. A lot of times they're still in paper, quite frankly. So we have to figure out, okay, we got to take them, we got to put right, them in storage. Them, yeah. we gotta, eventually, we want to scan them and put them in an EMR and then sort of dispose of those things because, again, we really don't want paper. Um, but I think it's a good question you should ask your provider. If you're switching yeah. providers, <laughs> yeah. if you know they're retiring or they give you that thing, hey, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm changing, ask that question. Where is my record going to go? Can I get it? Or, or, you it, do or the original. get a copy. Yeah, get, get a copy. copy. Where do you do the original? Right. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's important. And that certainly helps empower the consumer out there to get to know about their health. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you're listening here. Uh, you're listening here on intellectualradio.com. We're watching on Facebook Live. We're just having a great time. I want to kind of switch the focus a little bit. Uh, so let's talk a little tech stuff. Why not? You know, hey, let's talk about some of the common things that are happening. All right, social media. We know it's there. We know people are putting their information out in Facebook groups. They're putting their information out in blogs, you know, uh, uh, shared services. You know, I'm going to ask this question to Ahmed. Is there any risk with doing that? You know, say you're in a Facebook group for diabetes, for example, and you're putting your information out there and saying, I have diabetes. Is that, is that risky at all? To, to, you know, if, if, is that a violation of privacy laws when you actually openly say yeah. what you have? So I, I should... I should say that the patient kind of owns their healthcare record, right? It's actually, it's their healthcare record. The provider is just the custodian of it. So if you want to go on Facebook and talk about your personal stuff, that's your decision. I'm not really going to sort of say you shouldn't or should not do that. Because maybe those forums are very helpful for people who have certain issues sure. and like to talk about it. It's, it's, it's better in maybe in a group setting. Um, from the health provider's perspective, you know, we're still have to meet the requirements of the law. So we can't just go out there and say, oh, we saw Judy Smith today and she's got this. Or if, if we get a comment on social media, it's hard for us to respond to it sometimes because then we might be disclosing information to the world at large that we shouldn't yes. be. So it gets kind of tricky. I mean, but, but for the most part, what I'd say is, again, your health records and information is very valuable information. A lot of people want it, both inferior and good, and so you should protect it like you would anything else that's important to you. It's my general general opinion. Excellent, Doctor Zeta. What about like when we, you know, what's your take take on you know people use apps? They're putting their data, their height, their weight, uh, sex, uh, and you know they're using it to help them 
me to go, maybe you know, the, the, a weight loss app or a nutritional app. Uh, do we know what happens to that information? You know, a lot of us might just kind of say, I agree to the terms without agreeing to the terms, right. but you have to agree to the terms in order to use the app. Right. Uh, you know, do we know what happens to that information from your perspective? Well, I, you know, I think it's, it's always one of those things, again, the best thing is you're your best custodian of your health care. And so if you feel comfortable sharing that information, well, that's fine. But on the other side, you know, it just... Like everybody sees on Facebook, you look on one other thing and all of a sudden it's showing up on your Facebook feed and you're like, whoa, too much sharing here. And so I think that you have to use your best judgment. If it's a if it's an app or it's a pop-up that you're like, oh, maybe I'll join this, I would be more hesitant than something that you've researched or you've had other colleagues that have worked with an app or you know something that's been around for a long time, you know, Weight Watchers or, you know, some of those exactly. systems that you're like, okay, they've got a reputation, they've never been in the media, you know, as far as negative press. So I think it's just I think it's also like common sense. Those apps more likely than not are not subject to HIPAA. So they exactly. may not have the exactly. same requirements exactly. that a healthcare system or insurance company might have to protect. Now, there might be some other laws in the state that protects okay. your information, but they may not be held to the same standard as another thing. So I think it's very good to have a presumption, quite frankly, an assumption that it's not <laughs> secure. Right, um, right. And that, you know, you should be skeptical. I mean, not saying you shouldn't do it. Do more research. If, if it's a more reputable company or app, you know, sure, maybe take that risk up to you. But there should be a presumption that someone might be sharing that information well, and, and you don't know it. Especially like phishing or cold calls, those mm -hmm. kind of things, the phishing on the email, that you're getting something and you're like, oh, this sounds good. I was just thinking about getting car insurance and now all of a sudden there's something that popped up. Sure, I'll sign up all my information then. You're like, wait a minute. Step back. If they popped up on you, you're probably best to stay away. Yeah. Don't, don't ever share your social media with anybody, like yeah. Western person, or <laughs> right. you know, and like you see them crumple it up or something in front of you. Right. What about what about some of the things that people are doing now? The genealogy testing. You know, the DNA kits that not only tell you just your ancestry, but they also tell you a little bit of health information. Do we know? I mean, or do we know if there's risk out there? You're putting your information. You're sending a saliva collection. And now a company has your genetic makeup. And what does the law tell us about that? Is there any anti-discrimination uh, that's out there based on somebody's genetic makeup? Yeah, well, it sounds like they're sharing it with police, with law enforcement, because they're yeah, apprehending criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing, I guess, if you're a law-abiding citizen. But they're obviously sharing it somehow, sometimes maybe with proper uh, subpoenas and stuff like that. But there is an act called, it's called Genome, that's the acronym for it. And, and it's sort of meant to, because you can imagine how how valuable genetic information is, right? So the act sort of does two things. It sort of prevents discrimination by an employer using that information to discriminate against you in an employment setting, maybe hiring you because they you know, predisposed or high health risk, they don't want to insure you. And the second thing is, is actually with healthcare, uh, health insurance companies. So imagine them knowing right. your right. genetic markup and you're predisposed to say cancer, would they want to insure you? The act prohibits them from doing that. Essentially, it also has protections in there about how that information can be shared. Excellent. And, and I'm just referring to the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act that was passed in the law in 2008. Uh, and I thought that was very interesting because all the patients that will come in and say, hey, we, you know, I want to do this test, or they might even just show me the results. Hey, guess what I did? I did it. I got it for Christmas. Yeah. I got uh, the Ancestry.com or the other one, 23andMe.com. And the interesting thing is that, you know, yeah, you'll see the Ancestry, but now these things go even a further level. And I'll, I'll get these, th these printouts and they'll say, 
all right, I'm, I got this gene and I'm at risk for this. I want to be tested for this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, we got to slow down. Like, all right. Just because you have a genetic, maybe a, a marker, a predisposition, doesn't mean you're actually going to get something. But let's find out, try to find out before we jump crazy, jump ship, and let's just talk about things first. Um, but, you know, the reality is that as people, we just want information. Right. And then we want to share information. Yeah. Because we want to share, in this same age, and we want to share what, you want to kind of preach it, preach it from the pulpit. And I think that we have to have some restraint. And as you both said, have, do research before you start doing that. But as you said, you own, you own your health. You own your custody. You're the custodian of your own health. So let me ask this question. Um, uh, and I want to ask this question uh, to Dr. Ziedler. <clears throat> so, um, you know, we're talking about tech. And uh, I recognize this question that I'm, I'm at too, and I might even chime in because uh, I think I know, know some answers. But, you know, everybody's doing this thing called blockchain. And blockchain is really is really technology, one of the hottest technologies out there that you think of it commonly in cryptocurrency and other kind of things, uh, and, and trading and even other kind of platforms. And so there's like this, it's like a digital ledger for information. And, and I think that when you think about it, you know, healthcare is now trying to get into this. You th again, you think about governments uh, uh, doing this kind of stuff, businesses, financial markets, but now healthcare wants to say, how can we best protect your information. So I was reading this article, and I want to give credit to the article uh, that was written. Uh, it was published on April 17, 2019, so just recently, uh, by the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. The article was entitled, Why Some Healthcare Companies Are Betting Big on Blockchain. And so I read the article, and I was like, I tried to be, I tried to be up with my tech. Uh, Dr. Ziedler is really up on tech. Uh, without a doubt, there's a doubt. I like this, this bear that one. But, yeah. but I think about I think about you know information and saving billions in, in in healthcare costs. You know, one of the things that we think about is you know why do claims get denied and and it's information at the end of the day or maybe a lack of information. Uh, there's been talks about trying to say does this is, can this be applicable in clinical trials so you don't have any potential fraudulent data where you have a series of encryptions that will only allow if something were to be fraudulently inputted that it'll flag you right away. Or even when we think about pharmaceutical companies now tracing their drugs so they know that there's not fake drugs on the market so they will know from, from the manufacturing process to when something may get off market or get diverted to the black market uh, and then they might know where to implement. So I think it's kind of kind of, kind of of awesome. Do you know much about blockchain, I'm in? Yeah. I'm certainly not an expert. I don't invest in Bitcoin. Um, what I do know, just hearing other people talk about it, is essentially... It, the benefit of it when you hear about it isn't necessarily Bitcoin. People are investing in it because they like the security part of it. It's, very, it's much more harder to hack because it's a decentralized network. Um, and so that's the benefits of it. I, you know, I'm, I, it's going to come to healthcare if it hasn't already and, and helping us even sort of add a further layer of security to, to our data. Well, we want security, and I love how you said just protection, another layer. And we're talking today about protecting your data here, securing your healthcare. Because again, when you're going to your, your doctor, you just want to go be seen, and you and you want to certainly have that trust and know that everything's there. Now, the reality, as you've mentioned a few times, both of you guys mentioned, you know, the nefarious people that are out there that'll that'll have that information. And the reality is that you know people can do that. I'm thinking of like the, the like the scams that sometimes happen. You know, you'll hear about all the time somebody um, share their information. Somebody calls an older person, and that person shares their their insurance information, their insurance card, come get this free medical exam, and then all oh, it needs your insurance information. And it's like, whoa, 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 you, you know, stop right there. You know, how do we protect people from falling victim to 
those kind of things. How do you empower people, Dr. Zietler, that are out there that are saying, I just want to take care of my health, but knowing that, you know, sometimes you have to give up information to get what you want for your health. Right. Well, I always, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Uh, you know, and so common sense, if that, you know, tingling in your back or you're, you're, you're like, wait, this is going a little too deep, you probably best hang up the phone. And I have to admit that I was, I was a subject to fishing a couple of years ago. I was looking for auto insurance and somebody called me and I'm like, oh, I was just going to call you. And then I realized that it wasn't the company mm. and I gave a little bit more data than I felt comfortable and hung up and got out of it, but it scared the living yeah, daylights out of me. <laughs> what about, what about like the, the, a lot of the companies that are out there, you know, you hear about companies that try to protect your data from just a general consumer standpoint, not necessarily from healthcare, but the, the companies that are out there, you sign up for them, whether it's the LifeLocks or the Legal Shields of the world that are out there, you know, obviously they have a vested interest in making sure that you're good. We know, you know, not everything's 100%, but you try to make it as darn close as you can. But there's still risks out there. Um, and maybe that's just how it is. What's your thoughts about, just generally speaking, Ahmed, about just risk, you know, for just information? You just want to do what you want to do for your family. But, but people are out there to try to sell information. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. And everybody has their sort of own, own risk level. I think it also may be generational, too. I think you, you do see younger generations more freely sort of sharing right, their information with people <laughs> my age, right? right. Um, and so I think, I think kind of just what you said, have, have a very healthy, healthy bit of skepticism, right? I mean, reputable companies typically don't call you out of the blue and ask for important information. They just don't do that because it's wrong, <laughs> right? Right, right. So... Um, and what's difficult is that, because, you know, I, my, my, my mom, I think my mom, my dad, like, they got the IRS call, right? Oh, you heard, yeah. like, this is the IRS. But but there's also a subset of generation, like, they're just, they believe right. in people, right. right? They trust people. And to now say, hey, don't trust people as much <laughs> is very difficult, right? right. As, right. as anybody, like, me, yeah, you want to trust people. But I think nowadays, especially people you don't know or, Organizations, companies who don't know, you have to be skeptical. Awesome, uh, for sure. You gotta do it. Well, again, protect yourself. And and I like how you said, use that. If you get that spidey sense out there, you know it's wrong. It's probably wrong. So we're gonna get into my section called myths versus facts. It's something that we do every week on Tear Health with Dr. G. And what I do with this section is I just kind of say a statement, and my panelist says either myth or fact. Gives us a kind of a brief summary of why it's a myth or a fact. We're going to kind of keep this rapid fire. But these are kind of common things. Uh, I always try to maybe stump my panelists every week because they're just so darn smart. Uh, but also, but this is great information for you out there as well, too. So if you had this kind of thought, you're like, okay, well, we're going to try to get the answers on this one. So here we go. Myths versus facts. Securing our health data here on To Your Health with Dr. G. Here we go. Dr. Zietler, first question here. I like this one. Um, myth or fact? A doctor can send medical records to another doctor without your explicit consent. That is a fact. As um, I mentioned before, again, it's sharing healthcare data to continue your care. So yes, it's excellent. It is true. All right, Ahmed. Here we go. Here's your here's your um, statement. Um, myth or fact? Don't use outdated electronic devices. Kind of a half statement. I would say generally a fact. I'm a lawyer. I can't get, I can't get pure. I have to disclaim and hedge and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely a fact. I mean, that's that's something that you see a lot of old, old equipment isn't supported anymore, and so they're not protecting it as, as well as they used to, and 
that's how people hack. That's that's the avenue they get. Excellent. And, and we got to talk about safely destroying uh, old technology, old computers, and things like that, because your information may still be there. Here we go, Dr. Ziegler, myth versus fact. I like this one. All right, we kind of sort of maybe answer this one, but here we go. Myth or fact? It's okay to share the medical policy numbers on your health insurance card at health fairs or over the phone with anyone. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a double myth, we'll call it there. Uh, uh, please explain. Uh, well, basically, again, this, you're giving somebody that you don't know what they're going to do with this information vital data that they can then access, duplicate your entire life, you know, be take all of your information. If they've got, you know, an insurance number or a social security number, they can create an, a, a new you that's not you and then destroy your medical, your medical history, your all your financial history because that's you know, they're stealing your identity. It's basically an open door to... There it is. <laughs> Excellent. Here we go. Next one here for Ahmed. Here we go. HIPAA prohibits email correspondence between doctors and patients. Myth or fact? Uh, that's actually a myth. You could do it. I wouldn't recommend it because email, unless it's not encrypted, could be, could be hacked. But they can. Yeah, okay. And a patient, again, it's their information. I would not suggest it, though. Okay. Right. I have a question yeah, to follow up on that because I had been reading that if you type secure with a colon, that'll help in the in the subject Oh, that's, that's that special help. to our system. Ah, okay. okay. We so have a special thing systems. if you use okay. a certain thing or do it a certain okay. way, it'll actually will be encrypted. Okay. And that's why, you know, you, know, you, you can do it. So, but it's okay. not for the general public. No, so for the general public. Well, if you send it out externally, I think it does do something. It okay. does make it still secure. But All right. Excellent. Yeah. I think I might jump on this one. Let me participate a little bit in myths versus facts. <laughs> I was asking you guys the questions, but here we go. I'm going to do this one. When it comes to personal health data, use strong passwords and change them frequently. I'd say fact. Um, you know, don't use the same uh, password across. Now, this is, I'm a physician, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, don't use the same password across every single platform because it's something that you easily remember. You got to keep it, keep it, keep like for like in life. Variety is the spice of life. Have you guys been noticing lately? Like my computer, I have, you know, I'm a big Apple guy. Every time you put in a password, it wants to store the password. Yes, I, don't like I that. never yeah, I don't do like it. Don't but like, store. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? I know it's easier on you, but <laughs> True. I don't want anybody else to know my password. I don't right. want anybody to know anything. Yeah. Right. Until I right. get you. True. All right. Here we go. Next one for Dr. Ziegler. Here we go. Myth or fact? Be very thoughtful and careful about what details you publicly share about your life. Absolutely. Uh, actually, I was watching a news show a year or two ago, and it was saying if you're logging into what you think is that hotel Wi-Fi, but it's not exactly that, there may be somebody that's hacking your data. They're, they took your over your, or not, I don't know how it works, but they're able to access your data as you're logging in. And one of my friend's daughters actually just had her account accessed because she just went into public system and accessed her bank account. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a so lot of risk. Just yeah. best is don't access your health information or your bank information in a public domain. Thank you very much. Here we go. I mean, myth or fact, here we go. Patients can sue health care providers for violating HIPAA. Do uh, you know about that? I got a head here. I mean, it's, it's, it's partly fact. You could, but it's really not... We want the government actually provides penalties against covered entities who violate HIPAA, right? So the government will levy fines and do all that stuff for you. You can sue, but it's a little more complicated right. for, for this show. That's for sure. <laughs> right, here we go. Here we go. We'll do a couple more of these. Here we go for Dr. Ziegler. Here we go. Statement: One should not blindly accept any terms of service or privacy agreement 
of healthcare devices and our apps without reading them carefully. True fact. However, as we all know, <laughs> do you really read all of the we terms all and services? We do it. Even, even yes. lawyers. It's yes. just... They make them small print and very long for a reason. Yes. Oh, we, we read, and you guys yeah. have read, and I, I was wondering, like, as you're reading that thing as a lawyer, uh, do you see the legalese kind of written down in there? Because it's very, uh, it's obviously it's not written at the level of the average yeah. consumer. That can be very difficult. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one. Let's try this one. I'm going to participate again. Why not? I got one here. Um, uh, I like this one. <clears throat> HIPAA privacy rule applies only to medical, only to electronic records. I think with anything that has your information. Oh wait, I should say with the fact. I should know the rules of my own show, <laughs> shouldn't I? Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, and we have a lawyer here to back me up. <laughs> so I'm gonna say it doesn't apply. I'm gonna say myth uh, that I think it applies to a lot of things. Any kind of health information out there, and you're a custodian of it, aka your doctor, your dentist, your healthcare system. You know that information is there, and so whether that's on electronic records or paper records, or whatever kind of record there is, if it's written uh, on sand, and <laughs> we save that sand, you know, that information is, uh, is certainly needs to be respected. You got it right. So it's everything. Also, it's, it's verbal. Verbal, right. So if you right. were just, you know, you can't go in a, in, a, in, a, in a Whole Foods and start talking about someone's health record if you're a provider. That's, that's a right. breach. To Excellent. Well, there you go. We did some great myths versus facts, guys. So let me do this. We've got about five minutes left. We've been talking about health data, having a great time, talking about just the history of how this is, has evolved. We talked about some social media stuff, apps, tech, blockchain, you name it. Uh, but we're all about still staying on message about knowing where your information goes. So we're going to wrap this up. So we've had, at the beginning, we called it the chief complaint. Why somebody comes to your office, a.k.a. the question of the hour today, how do we best secure our health data? The assessment and plan, we call that in the office. That's when uh, our patients, uh, we, give them, we render them a diagnosis, we give them a treatment plan, and, of course, most importantly, a follow-up. It's got to have a follow-up. There's a, I had to throw that in there. It's a physician thing, without, awesome. a, without a doubt. Follow-up is always important. But uh, let's do this. I want, um, uh, we're going to ask Ahmed this question. We're going to bring it on home. Here's the question. What are some key take-home points for consumers out there to be successful when it comes to securing their own health data? So I think number one, you know, protect your health data and records as if it's one of your most valuable assets. So you want to go to Starbucks with a computer and then like just leave it sitting there, right? You would never do that. Um, and you should, likewise, you should know how your health records are stored. If you have a, you come home and you have a paper copy, don't just leave it out or, or, or drop it off in a, in a, in a you know, grocery store or something like that. Protect it like it's your wallet. Put it it's in your a, regular garbage can. Yeah, or shred it, exactly. <laughs> um, the second thing and third thing is sort of related is that you should understand your, your rights. So HIPAA actually gives you rights. You own your patient record. You can get access to it whenever you want. Um, so you should know your rights and, and understand who can have access to it and who cannot. But also understand the many benefits of health health data, EMR systems, um, quite frankly, it makes your treatment better. Uh, if we have access to information more freely, easier to access, our providers can provide more comprehensive and appropriate care. Thank you, and it's been a pleasure having you on the show, yeah, Ahmed, thank so thank you for coming out thank and you. supporting this shared vision. Dr. Ziegler, bring us on home. Give us a couple take-home points for consumers out there to be success successful when it comes to their health data. Uh, well, again, to follow up on Ahmed, you know, again, the hospitals and the informatics teams and, the, you know, the lawyers and the legal system and everything at, the, at your hospital or your medical, they're, they're 
working their hardest to secure your data. So again, part of it is to be shared, part of it is to keep it secure and trust in that. But if you have questions, ask. You know, if you're not certain, hey, what happens to my record if you're cautious? absolutely you know certainly ask the provider may not know because that's where I come in and everybody else um, but that's what they're doing uh, and then I think again if you've got that tingle in your spine about something seems off when somebody's asking you information that seems a little bit too sensitive just stop I agree and my and my final thoughts are this you know I think about just as we invest in our health each and every day we wake up, we want to try to have success with our day, we do the things that we interact with our family, our co-workers, we put forth an effort. I want you to do the same thing when it comes to your data. You know, your data, it's you. It's quintessentially you. Be careful who you share that with. Know that your physician's office, your doctor and your, your healthcare team are going to work for you. But know that the systems that are out there are there. They're continuing to do great things to protect your data and hence protect your health. So I want to thank my guests today. Uh, great panel today. Uh, Ahmed Elganzuri, of course, Deputy General Counsel at Edward Elmer's Health. My good friend, Dr. Kirsten Zietler, pediatrician, medical informatics. She does it all. <laughs> it's awesome. I told you the panel was fierce. So thank you both for coming out on the <laughs> show today. You. So you've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2019 by MDG Wellness, LLC. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for my next episode, The Gut Microbiome, a primer for beginners. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to like and share it on social media. Don't forget to check out my e-commerce store on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com to get some awesome to your health with Dr. G swag. Catch you guys later. Peace out. Have a great day. Bye-bye.